I want to just today continue uh, the series I started uh, last time I was up here called Overflow. That feels like that went down too much. Is it me or am I? Uh, it called the, the Overflow. I want to talk about living in the overflow with God. Remember last time I talked about how we can be secure and comfortable about living in the overflow because God is taking care of our past. He's taking care of our present and has already taken care of our future. Amen? Well, today is focused on that present part, okay, in the past a little bit, talking about our future. I want to continue. We're going to repeat some of the themes, but we're going to hunker down in one particular verse uh, most importantly. So let's look at that verse. You put it up there, the first one there. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets us up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth in Corinth, the town called Corinth, Corinthians. If you do your Bible study, I'll do it real quick. But Corinth is a lot like Montreal, okay? Uh, actually, Corinth is a lot like a Western modern city. It was multicultural. People kind of did whatever they wanted. There was a lot of worship of whatever. There was a lot of immorality of all different types. But it was also a, a good economy, bustling, interesting. Uh, so it's very similar to, to a modern Western sort of city in that sense, very similar to Montreal. And uh, people were getting saved there, radically saved and, and coming to the church. Uh, but like a lot of Western churches, they began to infight. And they began to have different ideas of what it meant to be Christian and so on. And so actually, when Paul's writing this, this is around a whole context, he's actually really mad. <laughs> When he's writing this, if you go, he's like, look, he says to them, look how big the letters I'm writing you are. He's so mad that he's writing in big loops. Okay, um, he's not happy because he's hearing about their arguments and their dissension and their whatever. Now, I'm not saying that's going on here, but that's the context. I want you to understand where, where he's doing. But we want to break it down and understand how this type of teaching can help us live the life of overflow. So remember last time we talked. Okay, or if you watched it online, Colossians 1. Remember, it's not up there, but he says, Colossians 1. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Who's he? Jesus. Rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it's God in Jesus Christ who rescued us from dominion of darkness. Okay, and now we're in his kingdom. So now we live a different way. So let's start with the first line. For though we live in the world... Okay? Now, it's important for you to recognize you live in this world. Yeah. <laughs> I know that seems crazy, but we need to get grounded, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, as mom always said growing up, don't be so spiritual that you're of no earthly good. Okay? What that means is, don't be like, well, I'm just a citizen of another kingdom, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, yeah, but you live here, and you got to go to work tomorrow, and you got kids to take care of, and you got bills to pay, and whatever. You can't just act like you're not here now and be blind to the realities. Now, we live in this world, but, he says, but, uh, so though we live in the world, we do not wage the war, war as the world does. Now, I want you to be careful when you read scriptures like this. You hear, oh, we don't wage like the world, and you might start thinking war. Like, and today, when we see war, what do we have? Planes and tanks and submarines and, and drones and whatever. Paul had no, zero concept of what we call war now. I don't think he could conceive of 100,000 men facing each other on a battlefield and actually never seeing each other because it's all machines, right? It would never have entered his mind at the time. But he's, when he's talking about war, he's talking about, like, 
you got to remember, war back then, although it's just as bad now, war is never good. War back then was a bunch of men with pointy things looking at another bunch of men with pointy things, and they purposely ran at each other. And whoever killed the most usually won the day. Okay, so war was a very real, ever-present threat at that time, much more even to say than today in Canada, at least. But they understood, people hear that in the war. How do people fight wars? Well, they fight them with what? Weapons, right? And to win and so on. He says, we don't fight with those weapons. He says, on the contrary, we fight with weapons that are not of this world, okay? They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, when I say we live in this world and we approach our problems and we want to go to war with our problems or with our issues, the problem is we tend to attack these problems and these issues in a way that unfortunately with tactics that are human, okay, what the Bible calls fleshly, okay, and it doesn't mean they're evil or even bad, but I want you to understand that there's such a thing as less good, less useful. In business school, we are always reminded that good is the enemy of best. Okay? Good enough is the enemy of best. So just because you have a tactic and it's even working, it doesn't mean you're using the best tactic. Okay? Anybody can see this when you're maybe, uh, you know, a lot of us, we were talking yesterday, the men's group, about planting things. Okay? Planting vegetables, planting whatever. And then one person will say, well, I'm doing such and such a method and it takes me three days. But then somebody else with more experience goes, oh, you don't have to do that. If you just skip that step and that step and do that, it takes you one day. Oh, It didn't mean that the method that the person before was using was wrong or bad. It just means they weren't using the best method. But somebody else who knows with a, a knowledge superior to theirs comes and tells them and all of a sudden it saves them time. Do you understand? So what Paul is saying here is not necessarily that even the tools we use some to approach our problems are necessarily bad and evil. However, there are bad and evil tactics to deal with. It doesn't mean they're bad, it just means they're less good, less useful. But it's stated here clearly that the Christian, the person living in the overflow of God's love, God's life, does not use the worldly tactics, plans, or philosophies of the world. So it talks about these weapons that have divine power. Okay, so let's just break that down. Divine and power. What does divine mean? From God. Okay, not man. Their origin is in goodness, in blessing, in holiness, Okay? Divine, from God. Two, power. We know in, the, in the, the way Paul wrote it, he wrote it with the word dynata. Sound familiar? Dynamite, dynamic. That's where we all get those words from, right? And so it says these weapons we have are God-originated, God-infused with God power, very, very powerful, and they have power to demolish strongholds. How, what does demolish mean? Anybody ever demolished anything? I mean, really actually demolished anything? Like, really demolished anything. It's super fun. <laughs> when we were doing the expansion of the church here, my brother-in-law, Dan, and I got a chance. Every wall was just like, take a huge sledgehammer and just destroy it. You didn't have to have concern for hitting anything or any whatever. You just went at it. Smash, smash, smash. Demolish means to destroy, to, to turn to rubble. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos online. I love watching them, like, when they're blowing up an old stadium, an old casino, you know, and they, and they go, when they fall in, whatever. That's the idea, demolish. So God's weapons, God's tactics, when we go to war with issues and problems in our own life and in the world today, don't damage things. They don't make it run away. 
they what? Demolish, finished. No more rubble to be swept away to the side so something new and better can replace it. And what is it demolishing? Strongholds. Now remember, we talked about strongholds last time and a few times ago, positively. Remember this verse from Psalm 46? I think I have that one. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Another version calls it, God is our refuge, our stronghold, ever-present help in trouble. Strongholds aren't bad necessarily. A stronghold, as we know, is a place, okay, where we have protection, safety, um, safety. it's really thick walls, right? Like the God, in a good sense, but in the same way, on the negative side, you can have a stronghold in your life that are not good. And there's a lot of them. You could have a cultural stronghold, a societal stronghold, or on the most powerful ones, personal stronghold. You can build up defenses in your life and in your personality and in your uh, that are strongholds against the love and move of God in your own life because of something. Maybe it's something a cultural norm you brought up with. For example. Well, my kid's white, so I don't want my kid marrying anybody who's not white. You don't say it out loud, but you feel it, you believe it, and if your daughter brings home a black guy, you're like, mm, that's a stronghold. You think, oh, that doesn't happen. Let me tell you, I've been in, my, in church for 40 years, it happens all the time. Okay, and not just whites and blacks, other races. That's a cultural stronghold that has nothing to do with the love of God, nothing to do with God, but you might have that even personally, keep it to yourself. You might have uh, one against uh, dealing with different sorts of people, ethnic uh, strongholds, sexual strongholds, moral strongholds, personal addictions, strongholds we build up in our lives. And people hear the word addiction, they go, oh yeah, people on drugs are bad and drunks are bad. Well, let me tell you, as any, any Christian male uh, will know from studying a lot of things, you know, the biggest addiction today now is what? Anybody know? Porn. Yeah. Pornography. Okay? It's not something you see. It's not something you know about. And it's right here. Yeah. The same phone I used to read my Bible, I can watch anything I want around the whole world yeah. on this phone. And you think, oh, yeah, men are terrible. It's just as bad for ladies. You know what's those stories that are about love and romance and the guys in the front with no shirt? That's just porn written for women. And if you think it's not infiltrated the church, I shared something with some friends of mine this week, um, some leader friends of mine this week. There are Christian couples, Christian celebrity couples, that are now recounting stories of their first night together after their marriage. How weird is that? And I just said to my friend, I said, isn't that just Christian porn? He goes, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. How messed up will we become? Because there's a stronghold in our society, in our culture, and now it's coming to the personal lives. I'm just using that as an example. Okay? So how we have areas in our life, and you might have areas in your life that are well-defended, entrenched, hard to reach. You don't talk about them. You don't really know it. Or it's obvious, but people kind of tiptoe around that issue. You ever have that friend? Like when one issue comes out, you tiptoe around him like, oh, we're talking about vaccines. Quick, don't talk about vaccines around that person. Right? Oh, we're talking about that country, you know, that their family's from, and they don't like that other country, so careful. Don't talk about that around them. If you have an area in your life where people can't talk to you around something, there's a stronghold, and it's a problem. It's not okay. It's not okay to hate someone else. It's not okay to not like someone else. It's not okay. 
So these weapons that God gives us, divine power, that can destroy these, not with our ways, not with our tools. Not, there's nothing wrong with going to a psychologist. There's nothing wrong with getting psychological help. But these are even more powerful than that. And if you need that, great. But to truly live a life of overflow, you need the divine powers of God. Amen? It goes on to say this, we demolish arguments, can you go back to it? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now there's a lot of talk going on out there, a lot of strategies, ideas, arguments, and I'm fully aware that right now I'm just talking. Okay? But there's an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it in English, talk is cheap. Okay? Well, there's a verse that says it too, did you know that? Let's listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 4.20. And this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. Okay? The word there, dunamis. Remember before? Dinata. It's all the same, my friends. The word of God is not just a bunch of yippity-yap. Okay? Let me tell you, as I said, I've been on this earth 42 years. I've heard more sermons than my brain can imagine, whatever. I've seen more people sing songs to God than whatever. And you can easily tell someone who understands the power of God versus someone who studied God. Okay? You could take, I'll, I won't say names because I don't want to besmirch anybody, but you could take the best singer in the world and give them a Christmas song. And they'll sing it technically perfectly. Silent Night, for example, and you listen and go, that was horrible. No feeling, no power, no nothing. Take that same song, Silent Night, and give it to somebody who truly loves Jesus, who's not a great singer, but is totally in love with Jesus, and give it to them, and then hear it back and go, oh, that person gets what they're singing about. Because they understand the dynata of the power of God. It's not just words. It's something that changes everything. So we can use God's ways and weapons to take on these arguments. Now listen to what it says. We, we want to demolish every argument and every pretension that sells us up against the knowledge of God. We must be fighting now, friends, as Christians. I want to tell you this seriously. I hope I don't take too long doing this. But I want to fight against the perversion of the power of God in the Christian church, especially in North America. If you've been watching anything today over all the arguments over masks and such, there are thousands of Christians trying to act like they're protecting God somehow or the ways of God in public, and they're making fools of themselves and a mockery of the power of God. And I don't know if you've seen it, people in the aisles of Walmart telling people that they're casting out their demonic things because they want to, get away from me, I'm casting you out in the name of Jesus because I'm not going to wear a mask, I have God's power. Have you seen this? And it's not happening once, twice, or whatever, it's happening all over the place. And that's a lie. Those people are demonic, not God-inspired. It's a mockery of the power of God. Okay? You know what? It takes more power to obey the government than to just fight it for no reason. Listen, you want persecution? Go to China. I was telling my father-in-law before. In China, if you write down that you're a Christian, they won't give you welfare. That's persecution. Stop dumbing it down. I'm not just saying it to you. This is for the world to hear, but I hope you have, if you have friends who are talking about this thing, the power of God, it's taking down. You say, well, yeah, but you said every pretension. These are not pretensions themselves. You know what's a pretension? People pretending to cast out demons in the aisle of Walmart. Now, can demons be cast out in the aisle of Walmart? Yes, but not over masks. My brother was sharing one with me, and the woman was at the cash. She goes, you need Jesus, you mother effer. She said the words. 
And she starts going, you need Jesus, you mother effer. Everybody here needs Jesus, all you mother effers. What in the world? What's going on? It's because it's perverted. Okay? It's perverted. And the true power of God doesn't turn us like that. It turns us into people who are loving, compassionate, and caring. You know? Do I enjoy wearing this? No. But if it saves one life, good. And if it saves no lives, I got a nice new mask. Because the Bible tells us be sober-minded, be alert, because the devil, he prowls around like a lion looking for those he may devour. And this is people think, I'm moving in the power of God. <laughs> no. Be sober-minded. Because it tells us this, verse, remember this from last time, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I believe I have it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So all those old strong loads can go because we have power, God's divine power to demolish strongholds. And you might say, well, how does this happen? How do we do it? And you know, I was working on something and I had a bunch of stuff, but then God is so good. He knows what I'm preaching about, of course. And then at last night, I'll tell you, I'm not going to say names, but last night at, last night at 10 p.m., Last night at 10 p.m., I got a private Facebook message from somebody who's newly Christian, comes to this church, won't say names and stuff because I did, and um, they were talking about some stuff, looking forward to it. And I want you to tell, I want you to understand what this person says. Newly saved, listen now to what this new believer says. The past six months have been life-changing for me. Finding Christ has completely changed my perspective on life. I see now the work God does for us every day that I couldn't see before. And being around other believers is a big part of that. Okay? See? The words, though, completely changed. Life-changing. What does 2 Corinthians 5.17 say? The new creation has come. The old has gone. Now, there's something even deeper. He goes on to say... There's something that really sticks out to me about a verse, he says, Revelation 3.20. You know that one that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who enters, who says, uh, yes, you can come in, will come in, and so on. And he goes, all I had to do was let him in. Now listen to this. Six months this person has been a believer. He has taken away all my fears, all my worries, and uncertainties. From the day I let him in, not one part of my life has been untouched. Okay? Now hold on, we're not even there yet. This is, get this now, this is what happens when you get it. Listen to the, to the heart of God. This is not his heart, the heart of God. I pray and hope that I'll have the power to help others find him. You see, he, he's saying all the stuff he got and then he, he gets the revelation. But all I'm thinking is, how do I give this divine power to other people? You see, the strongholds that were in this person's life, I was like, thank you God, you just made my sermon. Right? Because you see what happened? You see, that's what happens when God truly changes you. And it, even, even now, and of course, this person is a younger person and a younger believer, and they'll see that that, that cycle never changes, no. never stops. Your whole life, those of you who are a little older and been in the faith a lot longer, you know that God's constantly working on it and He's showing you and whatever and, 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 and working on us. And when we use the, 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 the dynata, the divine power that he has, we might find, and you even find, you might be at a certain age and you realize, my gosh, I never realized how much of a stronghold that particular issue was in my life. 
You had never even noticed it, and God shows you, like, and you don't have to start going back and go, oh, I'm so sorry, God, whatever. You say, okay, God, let's take this on. Let's go demolish it together. Because you want to go back to the, to the main verse, please, there. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets us up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Who is that? We. Who is the we? It's you and me. We are the ones doing it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, with God's divine help, but we have to make the choice to take on these things ourselves. We do it. So, for example, the last one, we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. If you've been a Christian long enough, this following scenario should have happened to you. You're walking along or driving along or you're at your home, and a crazy dark thought enters your mind. And then you stop and go, oh, no. No, 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 no. Whatever version of you want to say, take that captive in the name of Jesus, or Jesus, help me deal with this, or whatever. How many of you have ever done that? Right? It's, it's, make that a regular practice. You're taking a captive thought. You're taking the thought captive. You're saying, I am not going to listen to this voice. Even if it's your own, I refuse to hear that voice. God, let me hear your voice. Let me take it captive. And it becomes a process and a thing. And as you get more and more mature in the Lord, it becomes a process. And demolishing arguments and every pretension that sells us up against the, the knowledge of God. So you know, you become, you become attuned to things that don't pass the God sniff test. Right? Like someone's talking about God, and you go, oh, that sounds good. But then you hear a key word, and you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. What did they say? Did they, they said a lot of I and me in there. There's a lot of like I and me and me and I, and that makes me nervous, and I'm not, I don't like that. Or you're listening, and then someone says something, and it goes, wait a minute. Did they just say Jesus was never really fully man? Wait a second. Hold on a second. Like, wait a second. God, Jesus was, wait, did they just say that Jesus, you know, you start to understand that God, that people, because why? You become, you become attuned to the power of God in your life. You become attuned to what he's saying to not just you, but to all of us. I, I'm going to almost finish now. You know, I, uh, this particular uh, path that I'm on with this, in this verse, I was preparing my second version of this, and about 10, no, two weeks ago, a friend of mine, another ministry leader, we were talking, and he sent me this verse, and I said, you know what, I'm going to use that in my next sermon. So I did it. I started working on it. Then on t- Monday, this Monday, I was talking to my brother, and I, my brother is friends with the lead pastor at Times Square Church in Times Square. Okay, big church. They still aren't allowed to meet, but he, he preaches every week. He's fr- personal friends with him. So I said, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. I'll go watch his sermon from this week, so from last Sunday. So I go to watch this mega church guy's sermon, and guess what verse he's preaching on? This. Then he starts talking, and it's like exactly what I already written down. I'm like, ugh. I said, I said, my brother said, I guess I can't preach on this now. He's like preaching my sermon, you know? But, of course, I was joking, because the truth is that means God is speaking this to everybody, okay? So much so, I was watching my friend's mother preach a couple of weeks, well, you guys know Janet Christensen, watching her preach a couple of weeks ago on the same last time I preached, and we opened with the same verse from Genesis. How does that even happen? 
Because God is teaching us all something right now in this time that with everything going on, whatever strongholds in our lives, everything going on in society, that we have divine power, amen, to demolish us. We don't fight with the weapons of the world. Don't get involved in, folks, don't get involved in all these arguments. You know, if you've got to delete your Facebook, go ahead and delete your Facebook. Okay, if you've got to delete your Twitter, go ahead and delete your Twitter. Whatever it is, don't get involved. Don't get bogged down. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the things that matter and we're going to be a place, we should be a beacon of hope. We individually and the churches should be a beacon of hope to the world. Saying, come, we have the divine power over here to demolish all this silliness and nonsense that's going on. You know, because everybody out there in the world is convinced they got the answer, they got the tactic, right? Follow this political ideology, follow this political ideology, follow this economic policy, follow this economic policy, follow this health, blah, 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 blah. I really, you know, we get a lot of messages all over the place. I'm not saying to dismiss it and ignore it. Please understand me. I'm saying don't get bogged down in fighting for one side over the other. If you're going to fight for anything, fight to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets us up against the knowledge of God and take every captive to make it obedient to Christ. In your own life. In your own life. Don't worry about what so-and-so is doing. Let's do it in our own life and show people how it can be done. Amen? All right, so that's how you live in the life of overflow. So before you leave... Okay, I want you to stand up. Yes, God is good all the time. Stand up because we're going to do this over and over again until I feel it's time not to do anymore. I want to pray a blessing over you and all of us. Amen? Let's read from Romans 15, 13. I believe I have it, Marguerite. I'm not sure if I did. I did. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's who we are out there in the world today. Next time someone wants to argue about masks, say this verse out loud to them. The next time someone wants to argue about vaccines or Trump or Trudeau or, or whatever, just say, you know what? May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, well, I don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get, yeah. but try it. And let's see what happens. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week. See you soon. Bye-bye.